Hello everyone and welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast with me your host Aarti Rabikrishnan. I believe we find inspiration all around us, especially from the stories that we all have in us. My aim with the Inspire Your Life podcast is to bring some of those real stories to light, stories of my guests that resonate with you and me. It's by listening to these stories that we can be inspired and motivate ourselves to overcome find a new path and rise even higher than we thought possible Joining me on the show today is Dr. Sarah Clark and we will be talking about overcoming being your worst enemy Sarah is dean and university librarian at LaSalle University as well as the host of the Kind Leadership Challenge podcast. I love the name of that podcast, Sarah. Sarah's PhD in higher education learning leadership, her experience coaching, her consulting, presenting to library leaders all over the world and a career working in academic libraries from the front desk to the dean's office has taught us so many things, including that leaders don't have to be perfect to build a better world. Sarah is on a mission to share a model of library leadership that strengthens staff wellness through growing humanely, managing effectively, and partnering collaboratively. Sarah, it's such a wonderful opportunity to have you on the show today with me. Welcome to the Inspire Your Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Arthi. It's wonderful to be here. Oh, thank you. Sarah, I want to know more about you. Tell us, all the listeners, a little bit more about you. Well, uh, as as Arthi mentioned, I, as you mentioned, I am Dean and University Librarian at LaSalle University here in Philadelphia, PA. And um, it's been an interesting journey from where I began to where I am now. Um, mm-hmm. I had days in my early 20s where I kind of you know didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I was in yeah. telecom right out of college, kind of rode the dot-com boom up and the dot-com bust right back down. Okay. Um, got laid off, was like, I don't want to work in corporate America again. And I was actually working in social services at the time and looking at possible ideas for grad school. Mm-hmm. And library science popped up. I'm kind of a geek. I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning and information and connecting people with information just seemed like the right spot for me. Um, I went to grad school. I got a position during grad school at a uh, small public university in Oklahoma, where I lived at the time, worked there for about 15 years, got my PhD at the same time in higher Mm -hmm. education at Oklahoma State University. And then shortly after I graduated with my PhD, um, I was associate library director, but I was kind of looking for the next chapter in my leadership journey. And this opportunity opened up at LaSalle University. And I um, I came in fire, fired up. I came in ready to make big changes. Yeah, and yeah. I made every newbie mistake. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when you were when you were we were talking before the podcast and chatting on email as well. You were saying, Sarah, that you know you actually found that there was so much in terms of taking up this role that you were unprepared for. I would love it if you could just share, you know, a little bit of what were some of these leadership things that you were unprepared for in this role. Well, I had gotten to where I was as associate library director and earning a PhD and all that stuff by working very hard, by taking mm-hmm. a lot of projects, by doing a lot of stuff, which was great. I had a lovely CV. I was prepared for a lot of things and I could handle that stuff. But what I was not prepared for, and in fairness, what I don't think you can prepare for until you are in the leadership position mm-hmm. is how you have to manage people. I had managed people before. I had led people before, but I had never been the leader. I had never been the person at the top of the org chart. And it's a different thing. Mm. Coming into a new situation where I moved halfway across the country to take this position. It was a similar size university where I'd worked before, but the culture was very different. And my library hadn't seen a lot of change in like 30 years, really. And then all of a sudden, with my appearance, with a new president coming into the university, it was like everything was changing all at once. Mm -hmm. And I struggled to kind of help lead them through that, especially at first. Okay. Okay. How did you end up becoming your own worst enemy then? Well, I think part of it is that seed right there. Um, I felt like because I had been a success in large part because I did a lot of things and made a lot of accomplishments, many of which I am very proud of. I kind of continued that area. I was trying to do too much. I was trying to work Mm -hmm. too hard. And I learned as I went through that first year where we had several things going on at once. I was tasked to do a major staff reorganization, probably the first one in decades. There was a budget situation I had to deal with. And then also, oh, by the way, halfway through the year, we found out we were getting $3 million from the state of Pennsylvania to renovate our building. So, Mm -hmm. and we we did that. It's a beautiful space now. We did that while the library was open, which was an interesting experience, but it was just so much change and I was working hard but I wasn't delegating in the way I should. And I wasn't, I trusted my team, but they didn't understand I trusted my team because I was trying to like stay plugged in and involved in every little detail just because that's how I used to lead. And they understandably felt micromanaged and it was not what I wanted to do. But that's the other thing. When you're a leader, your intent is less important than your impact. Mm. And I had to learn that for them to feel the trust that I did have in them, I needed to step back and I needed to show in my behavior that I knew that they had this. And I needed to get comfortable with not knowing every little detail of everything that was going on and how we got there. Mm. So, I mean, you you mentioned now that the, the team actually, you know, came to you to say we're feeling micromanaged and, and all of that. But what were some of the after effects from that as well? Was there anything that came through beyond that? I think I think that moment was 
one of the best things that ever happened to me in my leadership career, maybe even in my life, because I had had a lot of success in my life and my career up to that point. I'd had a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, I was the A student. I was always doing good in classes. I was doing well in my career. All my bosses leaded, liked me. And then I got into this new situation where the things that had helped me succeed up to this point, I was learning from my team that for us to get to the next level, I needed to change some things about how I led. And that was such a beautiful gift that they gave me. But it was hard. It was hard being that overachiever type, receiving that kind of, you know, challenging feedback. And it took me a while to kind of take it on board and and realize, realize that I didn't have to be perfect to build the library and build the organization I wanted to see. It wasn't about whether or not I was a failure because that was irrelevant. What it was about was about understanding what my library, what my our team, what our organization needed in order to succeed and then shifting my leadership approach and practice to meet that need. You know, I can imagine how difficult it must have been for you at that point in time. As you say, you know, somebody who's successful to suddenly get feedback like this, it must have hit you like a ton of bricks as well because you didn't realize it. But then I like the way you reframed it as well, Sarah, that, you know, it, it was a gift. It was a gift of of new insight and knowledge for yourself. And it's something that you could do, you know, you could work with, you know, from that basis. So how, how did you, what were some of the first steps then that you took to sort of overcome or rectify the situation and make things a bit better? What did, where did you start? Well, first off, I want to say that all that stuff I just said about the feedback being a gift, that's with like almost four years of hindsight. That, uh-huh, that uh-huh. end of a road of personal growth and professional growth. I did yeah. not feel like that in the moment. I felt, you know, I didn't feel like I'd failed. I felt like I was a failure. I really mm. took it as like saying something about me personally. And I had to, I had to live with those feelings and I had to process those feelings. And that's the first thing that I think anybody needs to do when they have a professional setback or are just dealing with something challenging in their life. It is okay. It is necessary to feel the feelings that you have about that. Because if you don't feel them, if you don't process them, if you shove them down in a black box, then they are going to explode at the worst moment humanly possible. So that's the first thing I did, mostly because I didn't have any other choice in the matter, was I felt my feelings and I just, I processed it. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I did was I I needed to forgive. Mostly I needed to forgive myself because part of the reason that I've done a lot with my life is because I hold myself to an extremely high standard and I had fallen short of that standard and I needed to figure out a way to say, it's okay. You didn't do it perfectly the first time out of the gate as a first time leader. It's okay. I needed to forgive myself. I needed to forgive, you know, other, you know, just kind of the circumstances of life that led all of this pressure to be loaded on our library at a very challenging time. And I don't think it was, I don't think any, it was anybody's fault. I don't think anybody did anything wrong. And I think in the long run, looking back four years, this has all been a wonderful transformation for the library, but it was hard going through it. And I needed to find a way to forgive myself for not living up to the standards I set for myself. And I needed to forgive these other forces that had put us in this challenging situation. Mm-hmm. And then figure out how to trust my 
skills as a leader. Again, I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of research. I, you know, really consulted with my, um, with my boss at the time, my provost, um, a wonderful, a, a wonderful man who kind of helped me, who was very supportive to me and was a cheerleader and helped me kind of rethink how I needed to approach this situation as a leader. And then, so I needed to figure out how I could trust in my skills again, the way I had before. And then finally, I had to turn to my team and say, look, we can't keep going on the way we're going. We need to come together as a team. We need to figure out, we need to figure out that we all want the same things and we all need to figure out how we're going to work together for the same things. And that was about a six month journey of team building and leadership development. And, you know, fortunately, we came together, we worked hard and, um, you know, it really, we understood eventually that we were all wanting the same things and going after the same things. And, you know, we were a stronger team. We are a stronger team for going through that journey. Mm, absolutely. Definitely sounds like it. And uh, thank you for, for spelling it out for us. And especially let me take you back to that first point that you said, um, which I think everyone, you know, always wonders, you know, does it, does the reframe come immediately? And, you know, the fact that you're, you know, quite candidly are saying to us, actually, in the moment, it was really difficult. And it's actually been a journey of personal growth and personal learnings to be able to come to this now uh, in terms of that reframe and everything that's happened since. Maybe share with us, Sarah, why is it so important that we do focus on our personal growth for each and every one of us? Well, I think it is important because as leaders, and I don't care what your job title is, mm -hmm. if you interact and work with other people in any way, shape, or form, if you are making decisions that have an impact in the outside world, you're a leader. The quality, anyone's leadership has to do with the quality of the decisions they make. For me, leadership is all about making the decisions. Mm -hmm. And the quality of your decisions is impacted profoundly by where you are mentally, where you are emotionally, where you, how well you understand your values and what is going on in the real world, the facts mm -hmm. of the situation, rather than the stories you make up in your head about the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for me, growth is growing humanely is one of the three core skills of kind leadership in, in my little framework of kindly. Mm -hmm. And that includes nurturing yourself. And a lot of that is about being in touch with your emotions, being okay with, you know, having a crappy day from time to time, but not letting that, you know, not letting that take over your, your life of processing those emotions and working through them so that you're in control of them, or you're at least you understand them, because if you know them, and you're aware of them, then they're not going to spill out in negative ways. Mm. The thing you need to know and understand very well is your personal values. And as a university, we hold to those values. And as somebody who works at the unit, the university, I incorporate those values into my practice and into the decisions I make. And then the third piece of, of, of growing as a leader, growing humanely as a leader is reframing your decision-making skills. We all have a process that we use to make decisions. It's just some of us, it's not totally conscious. What I argue for is understanding how you make decisions of 
making sure that you're tuned into the outside world, to make sure that you are thinking forward, that you have empathy for the other people who are going to be impacted by your decisions, by involving your key stakeholders, and all of those things to make sure that you're making the best decisions you can as a leader. Mm, I, I love those points. And I mean, these are obviously lessons taken from your own sort of experiences that you've now evolved into the kind of leadership sort of um, challenge and process that you were talking about. So how wonderful, um, Sarah, for, for doing that. And you know, maybe just casting your mind back again in terms of your journey um, and, and particularly maybe even the stint as well. Is there anything that you regret or you wished you could have done differently at that point in time? I think in general, I could I could pick a few little details here and there, mm-hmm. but I think the main thing that I regret, and it's the biggest reason why I'm so honest and vulnerable about the failings I've had as a leader, because most people who talk about this kind of thing publicly don't talk about how they've screwed up. Mm-hmm. I think that the most important thing that I would do differently is I would be a lot more, well, kind to myself. I I put myself under a lot of pressure and a big reason I caused, I made the, you know, made the missteps I made was that I was just so harsh on myself and put myself under so much pressure. And like I said, when I realized, you know, the mistakes I had made, I didn't think I'd failed. I thought I was a failure. Mm-hmm. And Yes, I'm in a much better place now, but it took me a couple of months to get out of that mindset to see that, no, it wasn't a personal failing. It was my inexperience plus being injected into a very challenging situation that that led to this. And that's why I talked so much about feeling your feelings and forgiving yourself, because those were the things that looking back, if I had done that more earlier on at the process, if I had allowed myself to admit my it, it admit to myself, yeah, this is my dream job, but it's also kind of hard right now. I wonder if I would have dodged some of the challenges that we went through. But then again, if we hadn't gone through all of those trials, all this went down in like late 2018, early 2019. If we hadn't gone through all of that and come together as a team in 2019, what would have happened when COVID hit? Because when COVID hit, we were already in a strong position. We already knew we could trust each other because we'd already been through the fire. And when COVID hit, yes, it was crazy, but we all knew we were on the same page. We all knew that we could change to deal with crazy circumstances. And we got through that time. I won't say it was easy, but we got through that thing that the pandemic beautifully and I were coming out strong even stronger on the other side for those experiences. So, there are things I wish I'd done differently, but at the end of the day, looking back 4 years later, it also made us who we are now. Mm-hmm. That's such a it's a very valid point. I mean, all of these things are bold up to where we are today and it's sounding as you're saying such a strong team having gone through the pandemic in such a uh, robust way and coming out even stronger at the end of it. I mean, I think there's not many teams that can say that, hey, but um, wonderful. Kudos to you all for for developing a relationship that actually allows you to be on that kind of a footing. That's so amazing. Um, we have you know, wonderful people. Yeah, oh, and that makes a world of difference, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Everyone's gelling so well together. 
But, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, they're going to be listening to us. They're probably in a situation right now, Sarah, where they're maybe doing some of the things that you did in terms of that situation. And they're probably feeling like, oh, my goodness, am I actually being my worst enemy here? Am I doing something wrong? You Maybe they don't have the benefit of someone to let them know. What would be your advice in terms of if somebody is at that point where things are just not going well, they're steaming ahead, but there is a little bit of an inkling that mm, maybe I don't have all of the buy-in that I should, or there's just something that's saying everything's not right. What would you share with them to help them elevate their thinking, their reflection, deepen it, whatever the case may be? What could you share? Okay. I want you to think of the person on your team who is the smartest, savviest member of your team, who gets the most done, who understands the most who go about what's going on, and who maybe intimidates you a little bit because of their skills and their talents and their expertise. The person who knows what's going on. And I want you to go to that person and I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to say, I want to do better and I need help. Can you tell me, in your opinion, what you think I could be doing better to help us get to whatever goal it is you're trying to get to? And then shut up and listen, because that person will have the outside perspective you don't have, and they will care about the organization. And so they will want to give you the advice you need to grow and to help come together as a team. And also in doing that, you will make a powerful ally with one of the strongest members of your organization that you can stand with and rely on when times get hard. I said this was simple. I didn't say it was easy, but it is the kind of challenging conversation that can transform your leadership practice. Mm, absolutely. I mean, especially if somebody believes they're in a strong position to now become vulnerable in that way with somebody else who you know, as you said, might intimidate them a little bit. Yeah, interesting. Very, very nice. And I think, as you said, it's simple in theory and not so easy, but something that's worthwhile given the potential positive externalities that come out of it. As you mentioned, an ally um, and obviously getting that different perspective of something new that you need to be looking at. So very, very powerful challenge, I think, for all of our listeners, Sarah, and I appreciate that. And, you know, I know you're doing a lot of work in the space on on kind leadership and, and uh, you know, in, in just in leadership in general. Share with us, Sarah, what are some of the things that you're going to be doing for the rest of the year and what's in store for 2023? Okay, wonderful. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, I have my own podcast, The Kind Leadership Challenge. You nice. can check it out at kindleadershipchallenge.com. It is kind of specifically geared to educational and library leaders because that's my world. But I think anybody in leadership may find gems that are useful to them, especially if they want to lead more effectively, humanely, and collaboratively. And my podcast is a little different than some folks. My episodes are generally about 10 minutes long, give or take. And I pick a specific topic or a specific issue. And we just kind of dig in deep. And I generally end with some sort of takeaway, some sort of nugget, some sort of mm -hmm. challenge 
like I just issued to all of you a minute ago, that you can then go ahead and implement in your practice this week. It's how I do it. We also have a Facebook community for listeners of the podcast that you can check out as well. Again, you can just type Kind Leadership Challenge into the Facebook search bar and find it. And then also, as this fall starts here in the United States um, and we get back to schools here in about a month or so, uh, I am starting my first one-on-one sort of a hybrid one-on-one group coaching experience for educational and library leaders who really want to dive deep into their leadership practice and rethink what they're doing on a kind um, model and a kind framework so that they can make the impact they want to see in their organizations and in the communities their organizations serve. And um, if that sounds like something you're interested in, I talk about it a little in the podcast, or you can always also just send me an email, sarah at kindleadershipguild.com, and we can talk about whatever leadership challenge you are going through and see if a one-on-one coaching for the fall semester might make sense for for you. And also you would be a part of a small group of other educational and library leaders who are going through their own challenges. And we'll get together once a month or so and kind of talk about our issues and have Q&A and stuff like that. And it's sort of the beginning of a little community for leaders who want to build a better world, but do it without burning out in the process. That is so key and so important in this sort of environment. I wish you well with the group coaching. It sounds like it's going to be an awesome, awesome opportunity. So yeah, good encouragement. Listeners, if this is something that you're interested in, please do reach out to Sarah. I'm sure it's going to be highly useful and practical. And I love what you said about your podcast. You put a challenge out to everybody. Sounds amazing, Sarah. But as you said, activation is key, right? We're going to change it. You're going to do it this week, not next year, next month, this week. I love it. Um, (laughs) Sarah, it's been such a treat to chat to you. Uh, I thank you so much for your time. And to end off the Inspire Your Life podcast, I would love it. If you could share something that keeps you inspired, you know, it could be a poem, it could be a quote, a song lyric, something spiritual even, something that just keeps you growing, you know, personally, keeps you moving ahead and doing all the things that you are passionate about. What would you share with us? One of the things that keeps me inspired right now, as silly as it sounds, is my Peloton bike. Um, I bought in about six months ago um, as part of kind of some bigger health changes I was making. And um, I just, I've, I've never been great at like exercising regularly, but I I get on that thing or I do the classes just about every day now. And um, the instructors um, sometimes drop these little bits of wisdom that sort of help you reframe your own your own thoughts around the stuff you're going through in your life. I actually did an episode of of the podcast on uh, one thing one of the the Peloton instructors said a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Also, um, just most of it is is just silly, is good fun, but it it kind of keeps you engaged while you're working out, and it's it's mm-hmm. combining fun and taking care of yourself and building your skills. And it reminds me not to take things too seriously, because I think that is a secret of kind leadership that a lot of people forget is we think this is all important and it's all serious and it's all life-changing. And 
Those things are true, but it can also be lighthearted and fun. And so I would say the way I I stay inspired is I look for the fun in what I'm doing. That's brilliant. And thank you for reminding all of us. I love the multi-pronged approach. You know, you're working hard on one goal, but you're also having fun doing it too. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Sarah, thank you so much for your time again. Uh, Lovely to meet you. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Take care, Sarah. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. If you like what you heard, rate the episode and podcast and feel free to write a review. Plus, of course, share with others too. I love talking around topics like these. So if you like my perspective or insight on a subject close to your heart or something that you're grappling with, reach out to me in your comments or send me an email via my website or connect with me via LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook. All my social media are on the podcast information. If it's important to you, then it's important to me. So happy listening to the Inspire Your Life podcast and catch you soon on the next episode. Bye.